0: Talking Birds.
1: Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store. Route 6A, Orleans, Cape Cod. On the web at birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. Um, yeah. By the Boston Harbor Island Alliance. Minutes away, worlds apart. Go to bostonharborislands.org for more information.
2: Talking Birds. I
3: love that show.
2: Good morning. Welcome to our show, number 532. We'd like to welcome a new Talking Birds broadcast partner this morning. It's TIC, the Talking Information Center. It's a nonprofit reading service that broadcasts 24 hours a day, seven days a week, to visually impaired and print-impaired listeners through seven cities and towns across the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Welcome TIC to the Talkin' Birds family. By the way, TIC is located right here in Marshfield, Massachusetts, and operated by our WATD flagship station. And also located here is the finally almost ready for primetime Talkin' Birds Garden. Our garden team, Laura, Don, Tom, Lisa, and our newest member, Marjorie, have been working hard to get this wild bird oasis up and running. We're almost ready for the official opening of what we like to call the world's smallest bird sanctuary the Talkin' Birds Garden. Stay tuned. Hey, thanks for helping us blast past the 8,000 Facebook Likes milestone. We think we have a lot to like there, so do check out our Facebook page at Talkin' Birds, also Twitter and Instagram. From our Just-In-Case-You-Hadn't-Heard department, just a reminder that Talking Birds now offers same-day service. It means you can now find podcasts of our show on the same day that our show airs same-day service from Talking Birds. And, of course, you can hear our show live online every week wherever you are. Find out about that at TalkinBirds.com. Very, very easy to do. Here's our conservation salute of the week. Former U.S. Representative Bob Inglis, who was recently given the John F. Kennedy Profile in Courage Award for putting his career on the line to call attention to the threat of climate change. Inglis represented the 4th Congressional District of South Carolina as a Republican from 1993 to 1998, and again from 2005 to 2010. He was honored with the award for acknowledging that climate change is real and caused by humans, a decision he said played a role in his re-election loss in 2010. He compared the challenge of climate change to President Kennedy's determination to reach the moon, by the end of the 1960s. The Profile and Courage Award is given to a public servant who has made courageous decisions of conscience without regard for the personal or professional consequences. So our conservation salute this morning to former U.S. Congressman Bob Inglis. Well, our friend and fellow Bay Stater, Fred Bouchard, put up a posting on the MassBird Forum the other day, a little piece with which many of us we hear robin's singing pretty much constantly at this time of year, can identify. He called it Robo-Robin, and it goes kind of like this. A lone robin sings his plaintive sing-song from a 40-foot maple in my backyard, rarely seen. He began at the end of the snows, and it's first of summer now, easily spanning the seasons. He begins two hours before dawn and ends after dusk, two to three sets per hour, five to ten minutes per set, sometimes relocating to the farther reaches of his smallish territory. He's seldom deterred by steady rain, heavy winds, the chatter of house sparrows, or the needling of jays. His tireless series of slurred triplets sometimes takes a pleading tone but doesn't slow or dim or waver much. Will he continue through autumn? A great little mini-essay there called Robo-Robin by our friend Fred Bouchard. Well, I think that Robin song makes a nice lead-in to an archived interview segment we'll present this morning with Don Kruzma, who's recognized as one of the leading bird song experts on the planet. And will you hear these songs... Also coming along in our show today, How to Stump a Starling. We'll offer some thoughts in our Let's Ask Mike segment. We'll present our mystery bird contest as always and give away a fabulous feeder from Droll Yankees. And up next, we head for the Jack Pine Forests of Michigan to meet today's Talking Birds featured feathered friend. Nathan Leopold was a birder and a murderer. His method of studying birds was to shoot them and bag them for study. His method of trying to commit the perfect crime on May 21, 1924, involved a kidnapping and attempted ransom with his friend Richard Loeb and a young victim named Bobby Franks. At the time of the murder, Nathan Leopold was especially interested in a rare songbird, and he may have known more about this bird than anyone else in the country. The bird was the Kirtland's Warbler. In 1923, just a year before the murder, Leopold had traveled to Northern Michigan in search of the bird, and delivered a paper on the Kirtland's Warbler in Boston in October of that year. Kirtland Community College makes a bold claim about this bird, saying the Kirtland's warbler has drawn more official interest and created more controversy than any other songbird in history. The Kirtland's warbler requires a specialized habitat for breeding in areas with small jack pines. That tree in turn depends on fire to open its cones and spread its seeds. According to the Cornell Lab of Ornithology, the Kirtland's warbler first appears in an area about six years after a fire when the new growth is dense and about five to six and a half feet tall. After about 15 years, when the trees grow to greater than 10 feet in height, the bird moves on. Its breeding range, mostly in Michigan, is extremely limited, and its winter range is limited too. Since its discovery on Andros Island in the Bahamas in 1879, sightings of wintering Kirtland's warblers have been made only in the Bahamas and in the Turks, Caicos, and Hispaniola Islands. The Kirtland's warbler has a bluish-gray face and back, a yellow throat, chest and belly, black stripes down its sides, and white crescents above and below the eyes. And its song sounds like this. As for Nathan Leopold and his partner in crime Richard Loeb, both were sentenced to life in prison for their crime. Loeb was killed in prison, but Leopold was released after 33 years behind bars and moved to Puerto Rico where he joined the Natural History Society and in 1963 published The Checklist of Birds of Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands. Leopold died in 1973, a time when the estimated population of Kirtland's warbler had dropped to about 400, and it became the first bird to be listed under the Endangered Species Act. Thanks to conservation efforts in Michigan, the population of the Kirtland's Warbler is growing, but there, and in its Bahamas wintering grounds, it may forever depend on human protection for its continued survival. The Kirtland's Warbler, today's talking Birds featured feathered friend. Thanks again for being with us here on our show number 532. Do hope you'll visit us on our sparkling new website at TalkingBirds.com and be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Uh, we have lots of uh, pretty interesting and fascinating pictures and stories on our Facebook page uh, including one uh, put up there by our associate producer, our new associate Debbie Bleacher and it's a, it's a picture of well, it's a it's a hummingbird feeder, but with uh, something feeding there that is most definitely not a hummingbird. Uh, check it out if you get a chance on our Facebook page at Talkin' Birds. Well, Don Kruzma is one of the great experts on bird song in the world. And we're happy to revisit him with a talk about, uh, well, some pretty amazing bird sounds. Good morning, Don. Good morning, Ray. Don is the author of The Singing Life of Birds, The Art and Science of Listening to Birdsong, and Birdsong by the Seasons, A Year of Listening to Birds. Don, I want to uh, read a quote from your first book, The Singing Life of Birds, and you talk about how people suggest that you must have exceptional ears to be able to know bird song the way you do. But you say, quote... No, they're actually pretty pathetic, and I have no musical ability whatsoever, but like most of us, I have well-trained eyes, and it is with my eyes that I hear, end quote. Can oh, you explain I, that I, to I us?
0: I flunked music many years ago, Ray, <laughs> and what helped me is 40 years ago, I started looking at graphs of bird songs, so as I mm-hmm. listened, I would see this these songs play across the page in musical scores, and... It's the eyes that help train the ears, and the ears and the eyes work together back hmm. and forth.
2: We did a little, actually we've done a couple of them, and we'll do another one next week, maybe of little bird song comparisons where you listen to birds that at first uh, hearing really sound the same, like uh, mm-hmm. we, we did uh, Chipping Sparrow and uh, Dark-Eyed junco. Yeah, and uh, and a couple other birds, and in both of your books, you have these marvelous uh, CDs included, so we can listen to a lot of these birds that you're talking about. And uh, Don, when you were with us uh, on the show here, I'm, gosh, it's a couple of years ago now. We listened to some wood thrushes, and I thought it would be kind of cool to listen to those again, um, including those slowed down uh, <clears throat> performances as you describe it. Where you think what? This is how maybe the birds actually hear themselves.
0: Yes, it's pretty well proven that they can hear things in time so much better than we can. So, by the time we slow something down four, six, eight times, I think we are starting to hear the details that they can hear hmm. in normal time. So, I pretend I'm a bird when I slow these things down, that <laughs> I'm entering their lives.
2: Yeah, well, we have the recording here. We have the uh, three three performances of, of a male wood thrush. So we hear the first... Uh, first, we'll hear at normal speed. Then we'll hear one-quarter speed. And these are your recordings. Mm-hmm. And then we'll hear that one-tenth speed. So jump in here, Don, if you want to make any comments as we go along. But here's the wood thrush at normal speed. Tell me which track this is, Oh, uh, Henry. Well, uh, I think it's... Tr- if I remember... I don't have couple, it in front of me. a couple of tracks. 68, okay. 69, Excellent. and 70. Excellent. That's all right. Yeah. So I guess this would be track number 68. Okay. Pretty beautiful, just that. Uh, normal speed there
0: oh i melt when i hear these things there's so much going on in this song no two songs back to back are alike they're all different it's like this wood thrush that it places a premium on the contrast and successive Mm -hmm. songs and and just keeping the listener uh guessing as to what's coming next
2: it gives us an idea of how much most of us miss when we hear a song like that and don't really get into it the way you're describing there to really appreciate what uh what we're hearing
0: yeah what what this bird is doing Ray. he has <clears throat> we can break the song down into two parts there's this beginning beautiful section that our ears can can appreciate and then the second half is somewhat percussive and almost mm. a little unpleasant mm. so he's got six beginnings and 13 endings and he mixes and matches these things in ways that uh, you, you really never can predict what's coming next
2: wow Well, we have the other one now, the next track where he's singing. We're hearing this at one quarter, normal speed.
0: (coughs) Yes, these are the beginnings. Just priceless. Wow. (laughs) That's my favorite. (laughs) That's good, too. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) <laughs> that was really good. Yeah. So we we've just taken the beginning parts mm-hmm. of the beginning half of the song and there are six of those that so we we've just isolated those and slowed them down quarter speed. So that part of the song is best heard at quarter speed. And then this this the last half of the song that I say sounds almost a little percussive and mm-hmm. unpleasant to our ears. But Ray that's where the real magic happens because that's where the bird is taking his two voice boxes and doing something so extraordinary that it's hard to believe when you look at the sonograms, the musical scores of these songs, it's hard to believe your eyes, what he's doing. So perfectly coordinating his two voice boxes, singing a duet all by himself. Um, I... I'm speechless. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it's so true because
2: looking at that sonogram, and you see the two tracks, and you see something <clears throat> on one track, and then something different on the other mm-hmm. track.
0: Pretty so nice. in this in this track uh, seventy from the book, what I've done is with a little bit of magical uh, editing in a software program, I could I could first erase uh one voice and then he raised the other voice so you hear these two voices isolated mm-hmm. and then you hear the two voices together all at slowed speed where our ears can appreciate it.
2: Here it is at one tenth speed Wood Thrush.
0: That's his left voice box. That's his right right voice box. Mm-hmm. And now he's gonna do the two together. So that was one-tenth speed. Here's the next one. That's the left voice box, the low frequency. There's the right voice box. It's the higher frequency. Hmm. And the two
2: together. <laughs> wow. This is the way she must hear it. Yeah. No <laughs> wonder she's interested. <laughs> and
0: I'd like to think that the female listen to these things, if she hears any imperfection in the coordination of those two voice boxes, she's going to say... Well, she's going to raise some questions. She's going to say, well, maybe it's a young bird. I'm not sure I want to commit myself to a young male, a first-year male, or or maybe he's not so healthy. And uh, so the quality of these songs, and uh, when we look at these sonograms and see just the perfect coordination of a male in pristine condition, she might use these songs to help her tell uh, something about the quality of her potential mate.
2: The singing life of birds is uh, is Don's first book, and the newer one, "Bird Songs," "Bird Song by the Seasons." Don Kruzma described as the reigning authority on the biology of bird vocal behavior. Don, thank you so much, and we we'll look forward to having you on again when that new book comes out. Always a pleasure, Ray. The amazing Don Kruzma. Yeah, we're going to talk to Don again. Uh, just give me a little hint about a new book that uh, Don has been working on. Uh, by the way. I got a fact uh, not a fax, but a text yesterday uh, from our friend Ryan Stanton, one of our Talking Birds show's engineers here, and he was out camping, and he heard a bird song and sent a text and said, what am I hearing? And it was pretty cool what he was hearing because it was this bird, which is a close relative of the wood thrush that Don was just talking about. Recognize that sound—the really unusual sounding bird with that almost metallic, ringing quality to it. It's the veery, a relative of the wood thrush. Another beautiful uh, songbird thrush. Thanks for being with us here on Talkin' Birds. It's our mystery bird contest coming up next in just one minute.
1: Here's an idea for the next time you're shopping for wild bird food. Look for the Audubon Park brand, a top choice among bird lovers for more than 40 years. That's because Audubon Park wild bird seed is the finest kind, with more than a dozen selections to choose from, including the popular fruit and nut, songbird and cardinal, and no-waste patio blends. Human development and climate change are having increasing impacts on wild birds. Feeding the hummers, chickadees, goldfinches, cardinals, and all the beautiful and fascinating birds in your backyard really helps them survive survive and thrive all of audubon park's products meet the highest quality standards in the industry and have earned early compliance with the fda's food safety modernization act and audubon park products are easy to find at your supermarket lawn and garden store farm and feed market and online retailers for more information visit audubonpark.com that's audubonpark.com audubon park wild bird food is made right here in the usa get some for your backyard birds today audubon park wild bird food
2: Talking Birds is made possible in part by the Cornell Lab of Ornithology, a world leader in the study, appreciation and conservation of birds. Please check them out at birds.cornell.edu. On our mystery bird contest, you are eligible if you haven't been a winner here on Talkin' Birds in the past six months. By the way, if you're not hearing our Sunday morning show live... And think you're unable to enter our mystery bird contest? Well, actually you can. enter. You can hear our show live every week online, no matter where you are. Just go to TalkingBirds.com to see how to do it. It's really easy. Here's our number. We urge you to call as early as you can in the process, like as soon as you hear this bird sound and description, and tell us what you think it is. No correct answer means a drawing will determine a winner, so your not-quite-so-correct answer could still be a winner. The number is 781-837-4900, 781-837-4900. Our prize is the beautiful Droll Yankees CC12S Sunflower or Mixed Seed Feeder, super easy to clean with the twist and release. Base and an exclusive from Droll Yankees. So that's our prize seven eight one eight three seven four nine hundred. Here's the sound of our mystery bird. Our mystery bird is a very dark, graceful bird of freshwater marshes that feeds on fish and also insects. In France, they call him Guichet Noir. Our bird, which breeds in Canada, in the northwest U.S., and winters from Mexico down into South America, is about nine inches long with a nearly two-foot wingspan. In breeding plumage, the dark head and chest and gray wings make him easily separable from most of his relatives. That's our mystery bird. What do you think it is? Uh, If you're not sure, well, take a guess. And uh, as we say, a drawing will determine the winner if we don't get an exactly correct answer. So give it a try at 781-837-4900, 781 837 Meanwhile, how to stump a starling, the topic on our Let's Ask Mike segment with Mike O'Connor. Let's ask Mike in just one minute. Right in Boston's backyard lies a magnificent resource where you can walk a Civil War-era fort, explore tide pools, and camp under the stars. Once known as the city's hidden gem, the Boston Harbor Island's National Park area has become the go-to urban escape for tourists and residents alike. It's a marvelous destination for birders, offering a huge variety of migrating and nesting species that can be viewed independently or during free ranger-guided bird walks on Saturday mornings. The islands are home to other wildlife, too, including deer, fox, coyote, rabbits, raccoons, muskrats, squirrels, and harbor seals. There are countless activities for non-birders as well, like hiking on miles of trails, sunny beaches, ocean fishing, concerts, beer tastings, and programs for the whole family. 34 islands, 3,000 acres, endless fun and exploration, all minutes from Boston. Find out more at bostonharborislands.org. Hey, here on our show, it's a thing we call Let's Ask Mike, and we invite your questions via email. Here's the address Ray at talkingbirds.com. That's Ray at talkingbirds.com. There's no G in talking. And it's Mike O'Connor from the legendary. Birdwatchers, General Store, Route 6A, Orleans. Hey, Mike. Hey, Ray. I like that legendary. This is true, so I got (laughs) to say it. That's right. It's It's in the script. Got a question here from John Cahill. Not sure where John is writing from, but he has a question for you, Mike. How can we get rid of the family of starlings that have moved into our yard? And he's got a long question here, but I'll kind of skip down. It says, is there anything the starlings don't like that won't deter our beautiful songbirds from the food or the yard i know they don't like shotgun blasts <laughs> is one one thing but it's a little extreme yeah
3: the starlings that's a um you know I, I have to admit in all the years i've had feeders, i don't have any personal experience with starlings mm. um we get to certainly get plenty of grackle complaints in the summertime mm. but the starlings keep to keep to the marshes pretty much um it, and until that freezes over then we get we get a few of those but mm-hmm. I, I probably do with the same advice that I would give to grackle people they make some feeders um first of all thistle feeder that would get your gold pinches and mm-hmm. I, I can't imagine never heard of starlings going to that mm-hmm. they also make suet feeders which is more of a you know some people use it mostly in the wintertime but there's some no melt suet that people put out and they're the way they're designed is the birds have to come up from the bottom, and woodpeckers will cling underneath.
2: Oh, and starlings can't do that very well. Yeah, right? well, that's yeah. the
3: theory behind it. Mm-hmm. And like I said, um, they make it for that purpose. I don't have personally have a stalling problem, and no one you know locally does to try that out for us. But that's why they make that. Mm. So they they have to come up underneath, and you know the woodpeckers and the chickadees and the nuthatches that you know they live upside down, so that's not a big deal for them. Mm. Um, and then we do also have. They do make feeders that, are a cage, that, you know, that are caged in. There's like a tube feeder, and then three or four inches away, there's a circle of, of mesh that the birds, songbirds, fly in and out of. Mm. Um, and again, it, it prevents them from going in there. And then there's feeders that are weighted, and you can, with an adjustable weight, so you can determine which. Uh, they're mostly made for, to keep squirrels off, but the weight drops down, or the, mm-hmm. the food source. Drops down and they can't get to the food, and it's all weighted, so you can adjust the weight. And that might work with a starling, hmm. especially if you get a bunch of them coming. But it's all you know, trial and error. But you, you know, you'd, you just certainly would get chickadees because they don't weigh anything. So I would try. You know, I'd, I'd definitely put out a thistle feeder. I'd put out um, and try that upside down suet thing, and then try some of those feeders that. Uh, have a big cage around them and the birds fly in and out, but a little bit too, uh, Stong's
2: a little bit too large to you get, in, you get in there. All right, Mike, we'll talk to you next week. Okay, Mike. Take care. Yeah, bye. bye. Hey, if you have a question for Mike, uh, it's pretty easy to get it answered. Just uh, email it to us. You can do it on our Facebook page too, if you like, at Talkin' Birds, with the email address is ray at talkin'birds.com. No G in talkin'. Uh, Mike will answer your question. And as a thank you gift, we'll send you a signed copy of Mike's amazing book, Why Do Bluebirds Hate Me? That's a book uh, with all kinds of answers to other bird feeding questions uh, answered in Mike's own inimitable style. So that's our, that's our Let's Ask Mike segment. We're back here now on the mystery bird contest, trying to identify this mystery bird. Our mystery bird is a very dark, graceful bird of freshwater marshes mostly that feeds on fish and also insects. In France, they call him the Guifette Noir. Our bird, which breeds in Canada and the Northwest U.S., and winters from Mexico down into South America, is about nine inches long, nearly two-foot wingspan. In breeding plumage, the dark head and chest and gray wings make him easily separable from most of his relatives. What do you think it is? Tell us if you know or take a guess if you don't. A drawing will determine our winner if no correct answer is received. 781-837-4900 is the number. 781-837-4900. And Arlene is in Bridgewater, Massachusetts, where it's probably raining this morning. Good morning, Arlene.
1: Good morning. Yes, it is raining. How are you, Ray?
2: That came from the Talking Birds Meteorological Department, keeping a track on that. I'm well. Thank you, Arlene. What do you think our mystery bird is?
1: The least scrub?
2: least greb or or grebe as some grebe, call it okay uh, <laughs> um but no that is not what uh, oh, okay. we we're looking for but uh, thank you for that top quality guest arlene and you, uh, you're welcome let's hope the sun comes out soon i hope so <laughs> all right thanks thank you bye arlene in bridgewater massachusetts uh with the guest of elise uh guests of least grebe and um not what we were looking for so what do you think it is 781-837-4900 is the number 781 837 and that beautiful droll yankees ccs 12 s or cc 12 s sunflower or mixed seed feeder that would be our prize on the mystery bird contest i think we have jeff in uh alston massachusetts one of the neighborhoods of the great city of boston good morning jeff hello jeff How are you there well, it's still one of the neighborhoods of the great cities of Boston, even if Jeff doesn't seem to be there. I'm sure he's there, but he's not connecting with us. Let's try one more time. Uh, are you there, uh, Jeff? Jesse is f- uh, feverishly uh, trying to connect us here, but we're going to connect to somebody at some point. I'm not sure who it might be. It's Jeff. Oh, there he is. Good morning, Jeff. Hi, good morning, Ray. Good morning. You heard our guests there, Jeff, and you heard the clues. What do you think?
3: Ah,
1: a wild guess. How
2: about a Northern Cardinal? A Northern Cardinal? You know, that is a pretty wild guess, Jeff, I have
1: to say. (laughs) That's I could come up with on short note. All
2: right. Well, thank you for the try. Try us again. Okay. All right. 781-837-4900 is the number to call. And um, uh, let's see. Can you slide that board over just a little bit, Mark? And I can see who's there. That would be Meredith, I think, in uh, Rockland, Massachusetts. Let's see. Are you there, Meredith? Yes, I am. Uh, What do you think, Meredith? We're almost out of time. Can you save us and tell us the right answer? A
1: peregrine
2: falcon? Ooh, a peregrine falcon. Those colors are a pretty good match, I would say. But guess what? Not a peregrine falcon. Okay, thanks. Thank you, Meredith. We're going to have to flip the cards because we are just about out of time here. And uh, the winner is, it's you, Arlene, in Bridgewater. And the bird, unless we forget, is the uh, black turn, the black turn is our bird? And that is our show. Executive producer Mark Duffield. Our engineer Jesse Wilkins. I'm Ray Brown. See you next week. The
3: bird show. I like that. I love
2: it. Ray Brown's
0: talking birds.
1: Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store, Route 6A, Orleans, Cape Cod. On the web at birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. Um, yeah. By the Boston Harbor Island Alliance. Minutes away, world's apart.
3: Birdman's talking birds. I love that show.